category is queer ecological irony any answer to the question is fine like yeah, stupid um... answers are preferable but like um if it's stupid wrapped within a veneer of like knowledge mm, that's also yeah. really good yeah, yeah. yeah. just no, it's, it's like indeed and i'll believe it <laughs> like, <laughs> preface anything with indeed or however as such <laughs> i love an as such it's my new go-to because um, indeed was my classic but now it's an as such because it feels like i'm not using indeed so it feels like i've made progress but i haven't <laughs> today i've been um trying and failing to write a conference paper and i don't know why but in every single analysis of the poems i'm looking at i'm just like here we can see i'm just like no one can see anything what it, where is here stop being such a dick <laughs> Hello and welcome to Lol My Praxis. Today we are chatting with bad environmentalist Dr Nicole Seymour. Nicole is currently enjoying the delights of Scottish summer as a research fellow at the University of Edinburgh's IASH Institute where she's finishing a manuscript on glitter. In her usual day job, Nicole is assist associate assistant. I don't know what the difference is. Maybe this will be our first question. No, associate professor. <laughs> the what? Yeah, I, I think you just demoted her. You bitch. Did I? Oh shit, I'm so sorry. What is the difference? Wow. <laughs> Apart from spelling. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay, right. Nicole is higher up the hierarchy. Uh, she is associate professor at California State University, where she acts as graduate advisor for the environmental studies program. Her current research revolves all forms of strange nature and ultimately tries to find the funny side of ecological disaster. Strap in and strap on. That was Louise's joke as we queer glitter and laugh at vegans. Welcome, Nicole. I'm so sorry to have accidentally demoted you upon this podcast. Okay. That's actually the opposite of the Long My Praxis promise. We normally promise much more things. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anytime, anytime a guest has some sort of publication or some sort of, or some sort of success, we always claim that it's because they appeared on our podcast. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, because how your institutions are always like, Oh, look at how great we did as an institution. We had no, that was that researcher's work. So we like to claim that we did a lot of things. We've had so many books out. We've had so many books. We've had several successful job applications um, on the back of our podcast. You know, that's great. You know. And, you know, even just now in the last few minutes, you've just jumped from assistant to associate professor. Congratulations. Oh, well done. <laughs> Oh, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's really cool to meet you as someone who uh, is a fan of your work. Great fun. Are you going to be a nerd? Maybe I might be a nerd. Louise, you're going to have to rope me in if it's if, I, if we get too eco. This is one of the first like big eco chats we've had in a while. Ooh. Normally, it, the podcast is dominated by all of Louise's 19th century pals. So finally, we're winning. Best guys. <laughs> yeah, um, me and Alex used to share an office, and um, Alex's eco tendencies were the source of um, much piss taking. Like, so if were they bad? What is an eco tendency? Just your general eco chat. Like, so, I mean, we, we, we might have had a few sort of periods where if, if one of us was away from the office for a certain period of time, um, that we'd plant things on the desk. So, like, mm -hmm. I think, did you, you rewilded my desk, didn't you? 
I think you've got a, a load of grass and just shoved it all over my desk. And we're like, oh, it's very important for biodiversity, Louise. I don't know what you're trying to say here. <laughs> I don't know if uh, if you've ever played any stupid pranks on people that you work with. I don't know. Maybe we're just immature. <laughs> no, I, um, well, I was just thinking though about. <laughs> And you said rewilding in your office. I haven't been in my office in like a year and a half, and I'm sure there are things that have grown in there, but not not as a prank. <laughs> something terrible. I'm sure something terrifying is going to be there that I have to come in with a machete in oh, August. I actually, yeah. so when um, they have reopened some of our offices, um, like sporadically over the last year, and I went, I had my last cup of coffee in my office back in like November, and I came back in in March, and I forgot to clean the cup before I left well to be fair we didn't know that we we're going to go into like another stupid strict lockdown not stupid they're very important stupid because I hate them um make it very clear <laughs> but when I came back in March the entire cup was like a beautiful little ecosystem of itself um smell awful ruined my cafetiere um so honestly just ruined an entire days of work I couldn't do anything apart from just you know be sad about the state of my coffee cup there's probably something like that in mind. Yeah. It's a real first world problem. <laughs> My cafetiere. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Louise. Another cuddle. Dr. Alexandra Campbell's office. So yes. Nicole, in case you don't know, because I'm not sure if you've listened to any episodes before, which is totally fine if you haven't. <laughs> Awkward. Um, <laughs> all basically, all of them, such a super fan. But what yeah. we do, because we don't have any money and we can't license any music, is that we like to provide and curate a specific jingle for our guests. So uh, the name of the game is Name That Tune. Louise is going to play it on the kazoo so that we definitely can't get sued. Um, (laughs) You have to guess the song and then say a little bit about why it's possibly relevant, hopefully, to your research. Mm -hmm. And because Alex has changed the song uh, just now, it might go absolutely tits up. I think this is a better song. I mean, I think it's a problematic song, actually, but we'll discuss this later. Um, Okay. missed a huge chunk out you but... missed the bit where she does the part where she says the title of the song oh <laughs> <laughs> there you go uh, any any ideas nicole i was getting like a little bit like of uh, the harder they come by jimmy cliff but also mixed with what a girl wants but i think <laughs> I don't think either of those are right, but no, they're, not. No. they're not right. Do you want to give it another go, Louise? Come on, try it again. It's good advice. Yeah, and if you sing the song, it defeats the object to the kazoo. Oh shit! I know what it is. Um, is this ironic? But, yes yeah yeah that's ironic that i didn't get it because yes. oh, <laughs> that's, in, that's in my book actually um i feel like just like a pause for 
Applause for applause yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah, see, well applause there, Alex. Appreciation for my art. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so what did you actually write about it in your book? Oh, well, okay. So, you know, you have to like define your key terms, etc. cetera, mm-hmm. um, when you write things for academia. And uh, so you used ironic to define irony, because I think that's the problem with the song, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. And that was the. Yeah, that was so. I I said something about how Coralinus doesn't have access to the OED, but I do, and so I can. Um, <laughs> I'm sure she's very upset about all my privileges, but um, yeah. So I used her inability to define irony to define irony, and actually, what I was saying before that is ironic that I didn't get it. That's actually not irony. So yeah, I think I've just confused myself and everyone, but um, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Good job. Good job. <laughs> you know, in, in the musical Jag Little Pill, which is the Alanis Morissette musical. Why is there a musical for everything and why do you know about them? Because I'm fucking brilliant. Um, <laughs> and they are fucking brilliant. But, but they kind of break character and they're like, but it's not ironic, is it? And they'll just be like, but it's a good shot song. Shut up. So it's like a sort of meta theater like, moment. What a vibe. Watch you. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just shitty, but I guess, you know, she can't call her song shitty and get it played on the radio. So everything she talks about is <laughs> ironic. So, yeah, rain on your wedding so, day. Oh, sad. So what is it that um, irony, what, why have I failed to, to, to function? Today, this has been my entire day. Why irony important? <laughs> why irony important to work you do, Nicole? Question mark. <laughs> Um, so, well, all research is me search. We know that. Um, The book secretly, I mean, I really didn't know this at first, but upon reflection, um, I have a lot of political commitments, but I do not have the right affect for those commitments all the time. So I just, you know, whenever I'm teaching like about climate change, I just got to be like, everything's terrible. Ha ha ha. You know, um, unable to, um, yeah, I can't keep a straight face because it's a defense mechanism to make fun of everything. And so I just decided to write an entire book about (laughs) other people doing that, but really the book was just about me. Um, so yeah, so irony is important because it's a way to um, uh, talk about environmental issues without alienating people or without depressing people or to sort of uh, register, um, you know, dis- dis- disaffectation with the gloom and doom that dominates uh, environmentalist discourse and um, bring some playfulness back into the uh, situation. And um, yeah, so I just, I, I wrote a book about what I, what I wanted to see in the world, which was more jokes, um, less climate change, more jokes. Um, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Cause I mean, like in terms of the purpose of that, cause I, I, as someone who else who teaches like climate change stuff, it's, it's really easy to kind of fall into a pit of like, here's a half an hour lecture of really depressing shit. And here's a really corny joke to end it with. <laughs> yes, everyone, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, and like, is there a lighter side of climate change and ecological disaster? Where is the lull in um, ecology? how was it no okay it's terrible. also my dyslexia is really interfering with my ability to get that joke so <laughs> i think ecology is definitely going to be the name of, of a paper you should give nicole 
Um, I like this writing it down. I actually have a pen. <laughs> um, but um, no, the the lull was that my um, alarm for the laundry was actually just going off right there. So <laughs> interruption. I'm not sure if I can through. Um, so it's not that there is. I guess I'd say it's not that like climate change itself is funny. <laughs> I think just to be really clear, not funny. Not funny. So funny. Sometimes um, though. Sometimes. But, but no, there's, there's well we can find irony in the situation itself, right? So there's, you know, insane human hubris, or I should say, you know, certain humans, um, hubris of, you know, um, you know, science, you know, 1950s sort of science, like, oh, let's just dump nuclear stuff in the ocean, you know, we'll never see it again, whatever. So, um, oh. so there's a lot of ironies around the fact that, you know, we thought we could control the world and now the world is, uh, you know, turning, <laughs> turning back on us, um, striking back and whatnot. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting to think about the ironies in climate change itself. And then interesting to think about like irony as a tool to raise awareness about certain things around climate change. Right. So using irony to, to make fun of the, you know, lack of action on climate change on the part of the United States or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel strongly that there's nothing inherently funny about climate change itself, but that we need irony as a tool to think through it. Yeah. So not a monster, just to be clear. <laughs> but not it is good when climate change happens to people we don't like. Other than that, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. When climate change made the frogs gay, perfect. Great fun. Mm-hmm. Great fun. <laughs> yeah, that one's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? My analysis was spot on. <laughs> it's a black fly in your Chardonnay. And isn't it ironic? No, and it's certainly not vegan either. Um, we always ask guests as well before we get into sort of the real sort of internet, so your research, and basically ask stupid questions to clever people. Um, we like to ask our guests for a boring fact about themselves because you know, when you go to a conference and they're like, mm, "That's interesting," or like, or you know, those horrible icebreakers, and we're just like, "Fuck that!" Boring fact. To think about it, it's not boring enough. <laughs> um the first thing that came to mind i could probably like go more boring but i don't know why this jumped to my mind i used to be in kiwanis bowl don't know if don't know if that made it to you what is this k-i-w-a-n-i-s and it's like a quiz bowl thing. I don't, I don't remember why. I could Google, but let's like leave, leave it a mystery. Um, I don't know why it was called Kiwanis Bowl, but it was like quiz bowl. So sort of like trivia, like in high okay. school. So on like the trivia team for high school, but it wasn't like fun pub trivia, like, you know, name that tune or something like we just did. Um, it was like, at some point I had to like memorize like the first 10 Academy Award winners starting in like the 19, you know, best pictures starting in like the 1920s. <laughs> and then we go to these conferences, like, you know, I remember we went to like Wake Forest University one time and then like, there was a question, you know, it was like, what was the best picture of 1932, which I've now forgotten. But at one point I knew that, I don't know if that's boring enough though. Is that boring? boring. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of akin to Louise. Weren't you a uh, part of the university challenge team? I was the reserve. <laughs> yeah, so we, we did quiz bowl questions to um, 
to prep for university challenge which obviously I didn't make it onto and then they got a Dickens mm-hmm. round and they got none of it right and I was fucking raging and you're just like tearing your head out on the sideline put me in coach yeah you could pr- you could pretty much hear my sort of anguish like echoing through the recording studio but um yeah no I, I have played because quiz ball is like well, the version that I know of is probably the same. They, they they read out really, really obscure facts. And the faster you can get it, and they get sort of more and more that you can guess it, the faster that you get it, the the um, the more points you get and the more impressive it is. But it, again, it, like you were saying, it's really fucking obscure stuff that only yeah. absolute nerds know. And there was no beer in high school. There was no... Well, there was, but not... Not at these, you know. Now you can play trivia, and then it's fun because you drink a lot of alcohol. But um, yeah, sober, sober quiz ball in high school. Is the pub quiz like? Is, did that make it over to the US? Is that a, is that a, it's more? Cause I, I always associate it as being like kind of British standard. Mm. Uh, yeah, I have a I have a, a team called Taking Care Quizness. Shout oh, out. Nice. I was going to say what's what's actually. You guys will like this. Um, we used to be called PhDs nuts. That <laughs> doesn't translate because okay, it's so like D's nuts. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, but then we have <laughs> like, actually have PhDs, and then we realized those mean so. Um, but yes, we call it trivia though. We don't say pub quiz usually. Oh, trivia night. Trivia. Okay. I mean, I feel like pub quiz kind of died a bit of a death in the first lockdown because everyone oh did them God. online with their parents. Fucking Zoom um, and I, ha- I have to say, ever since, since everything's opened up here, I've yet to see a quiz night being advertised, and I think that's for the best. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I do believe that um, my university quiz team pals and I had the best quiz name, which was uh, Clitoris All Sorts. <gasps> nice. We, our team was, um, so we used to go down to the Pally on Duke Street, shout out. Um, for the quiz there because it was finished at like half ten, so you wouldn't, you know, when you go to a pub quiz, you go to bed on time. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> they just happened for fucking hours. It was Thirty questions, and they had sections like art school wanker and the erection section, which would be about like architecture. Um, so fucking loved it. Um, but we were the Titanic swim team, which we fucking hated the name. It was shite, but we did we we did it once, but then we won. So we had to keep it going. So then we had to keep it going for like well over a year. We can maybe start again. I think the legend is still there. Um, I was going to say the best one I ever heard, and you can steal it because these people will never know because you're in a different country. Um, uh, Elbows Deep in Meryl Streep was the <laughs> nice. that we that was somebody's, that was somebody's name. Um, yeah. Also, shout out to my friends who run a podcast called Trivia Time. It's not as good as this one. Just kidding. Um, yeah. and your Take face trivia time, time. <laughs> Nicole we need your tinder bio we have now learned the boring fact about you we know you're a little bit better but what we really need is um, for you to effectively woo us um, as if we were mm. at a conference mm. and we, we want your tinder bio we're going we're gonna to decide if we swipe left or right Okay. Um, so <laughs> I'm horrified of dating apps. Is that, um, well, so I don't want you to swipe 
whichever direction. What's the good one? Or what's the direction when you pick someone? That's right? I think right. it's right. Yes. Right. Okay. I always ask well, anyway, I don't want you to stop me because I don't ever want to date anyone ever again. So whatever. I want to say something that will like absolutely repulse you. I just don't know what that is. But, um, yeah. I need to know more about you so I can like, work my angle because um yeah I don't oh my god oh my god I might have to think about this for a while um yeah what is a tinder I think that's what my tinder bio would be (laughs) (laughs) I mean I'm sorry but if someone had the balls to go on tinder and say what is tinder I think I'd be like great the irony the irony I'm there I don't know um (laughs) what about like um Go Tories, is that? That's a- <laughs> <laughs> left. I'm swiping left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely swiping left. But then you know the problem is there that you know, they exist. Like oh yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. But you guys wouldn't swipe. No, no, we wouldn't swipe. But then, would you want Tories or would you want us? If you had to, would you rather a Tory or one of us? <laughs> you're right. Fine. <laughs> um, that's my greatest seduction technique ever. Would you rather is uh, <laughs> would you rather do me or something hideous? Like nine times out of ten, it'll work. <laughs> Alexa, define irony. But like to keep on the Tory front for just for a minute, like so. You have to. I don't know. How, yes, <laughs> I don't know how you found your kind of recent stint in um, the UK. I hope you're loving it. Uh, obviously, Scotland is the best part of it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. until it goes possibly independent. I don't know. How do we feel, Louise? Definitely independent. Definitely. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> Even though I'm but... moving to England, but, you know, <laughs> I'll keep my uh, Scottish address just purely to vote in the referendum. <laughs> fantastic um but there's a kind of interesting thing coming out in environmental research right of the kind of more right-wing environmentalisms and the kind of eco-fascist side of things so like is your tinder bio essentially saying that you're actually a bit of an eco-fash or that you're into eco-fascism um it's gotten really confusing lately we had a tory prime minister fuck a pig's head and that's not very vegan or eco-friendly so that is true that is not vegan or eco-friendly he did. He did what to a pig's head? Okay, so it came out. Please, so, please. <laughs> so it came out that David Cameron, when he was at uh, Oxbridge or whatever, um, for one of these horrible elitist society parties, fucked a pig's head. No. A dead head. If it helps, the pig was dead. It was dead. Like just like a, a, a just a embodied pig's head. So. And yeah. then what made it even better was that, like, what when this came out, it was also at the same time that the Black Mirror episode came out, which was all about <laughs> fucking a pig. <laughs> um, so the British media went wild and still <laughs> stayed in office. Wait, 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 this is this is before he got it. He was already elected, and then it came out that he fucked the pig. Okay. Because I was going to say, like, I think, like, Republicans, that might actually be their, like, that could get you elected. Like, if they came out. Curious about the timing there. Well, so what is an eco fascist? Sorry. Just to completely change the subject, I think the bandwidth is slightly iffy. But, like, 
what is an eco-fascist like because i i'm always thinking like oh it must be like ecology is always left wing which i think is very naive of me mm-hmm. oh there's oh, there's some actual nazi environmentalists but uh you know um there's a book about it now i'm forgetting the name <laughs> which is terrible uh the brown and the brown and the green brown and the green i think that's what it's called um yeah because you know they were all about purity and you know a simpler time when uh, things were more ethnically <laughs> and environmentally pure. Um, so yeah, no, there's a long, long history of it. I'm sure even before that, but um, nowadays there's like these people that are like, um, you know, they're sort of like, you know, saying like we have to stop like overpopulation, quote unquote. Um, you know, stop brown people from reproducing because they're taking up too many resources, even though it's actually the white people that are taking up all the resources. So, yeah, there's a lot of people sort of practicing fascism under the banner of environmentalism. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's depressing. Do you want to hear more? Um, <laughs> so, is yeah. there, so what's the difference then between um, that kind of bad environment, environmentalism? Oh my God, I can't speak. What is the difference between that and bad environmentalism and the bad environmentalism that's actually funny? Because I don't think, like, ecofascism isn't funny. I mean, the gay frogs stuff was kind of funny, but not for those reasons. Um, so, yeah, where's, 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 the, where's the difference? What's the... Yeah, so, well, so what, I'm, what I talk about in the book is um, I'm thinking more about environmentalism and sort of, like, the mainstream, like, kind of what you're talking about, like the little bit lefty, you know, Sierra uh, Club, Save the Planet for Our Children, sort of sentimental mainstream environmentalism, uh, you know, by a Prius, that kind of thing, and, and sort of um, thinking about bad environmentalism as a reaction against those kinds of things, right? So making fun of the, the sentimentality of mainstream environmentalism. Um, I didn't really talk about ecofascism. I think that was like kind of like not on my radar, but um, yeah, no, it's... Um, well, and, you know, you did talk about the gay frogs, like, so that, that, to go back to it, um, yeah, I mean, I think we have to use irony to talk about the gay frogs, because, like, those people are not laughing when they talk about the gay frogs, they're, like, very concerned no, about the gay frogs, we have to make fun of the idea that gay frogs would be something to be concerned about, so, uh, yeah, so we've got to bring the lols, um, they're deadly serious about them, the gay frogs, so serious about oh. them. So obviously, gay frogs is like top of the agenda for these people. But what? Wait till they find out about lesbian newts. I had an, a student write an essay on lesbian newts. It was fucking incredible. I just want to send it to the the what's it Infowars website or something. Yeah, are there other like ridiculous things that conservatives are getting themselves kind of are focusing on rather than focusing on the bigger issues? I presume that's what the gay frogs thing's doing, right? Yeah, it's, it's instead of focusing on a bigger issue, they're like, oh my God, the gay frogs. How many times <laughs> can I say gay frogs? Um, but are there other like absolutely ridiculous things? Oh God. Um, well, they, was, like, they were like afraid of soy milk for a while because they thought it made mm, men's Yeah, well, that too. It's more delicious. But um, yeah, there's a whole thing about like men were going to grow breasts if they drink too much soy milk and then there was this weird actually yeah like the the now i forget what state it is i'm sure it's more than one state but um you can't put the word milk on like soy milk or coconut milk because the dairy industry was like this is happening here as well yeah there's like a big push of legislation because farmers are like that's not milk 
you can't you can't muscle in on our dairy territory there's that conservative ideology behind it where it's like you know real men drink i guess the cow the, the milk real men drink milk from the udders of a cow obviously uh not from a coconut <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um yeah i don't even know what it's that stuff is called these days like coconut drink i guess you have to say coconut, coconut, drink. Breakfast. <laughs> coconut breakfast morning liquid um <laughs> Coconut milk. It's just M A L K. Like so, it, it's kind of what we're uncovering here: the idea that ecofascism or right-wing environmentalism is basically just afraid of queer ecology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they don't want to know about these all these. Like there are naturally queer animals, and they just like can't you know can't fathom this. There's the parrotfish. Is, transgender or transsexual i should say but um oh my god yeah they don't they're very colorful they're very beautiful um but uh yeah they don't want to blame disrupts their idea right that that heterosexuality is natural um because if other things are natural then what does that make them i don't know critical theory what so what what is the fundamental difference just to dial it back slightly because i'm aware that people like my mother listen to this so like so that's not a content warning say what you want but equally um you know what is the fundamental difference between queer ecology and cisgendered heteronormative ecology is as a queer person am i inherently more ecologically engaged than alex it's very presumptive well, yeah, I mean, I think straight people co-opted environmentalism and, and science, evolutionary science. So there's a really good book called um, Biological Exuberance by Bruce Bagamill. And um, he talks about the parrotfish, he talks about these like, trans and, and queer animals and how, you know, there's all these like stories from scientists being in the field and like seeing, you know, like two female, you know, bonobos or whatever, like rubbing up against each other and them being like, oh, what's what are they doing? Like li- literally not being able Just to friends. Like, Just friends. Just friends, gal pals. <laughs> Never married. <laughs> um, yeah, like one of them must be like itchy down there or something, right? You know, like or having some kind of like, ex, you know, like very like tortured explanation of like, oh, well, there must be, you know, not enough men in the area. And so, you know. Um, <laughs> That's the reason why, right, Louise? They just went... Yeah, I my wife scratches my itchy parts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. Am I? laughs> so, so, is queer ecology just looking at sort of the animal kingdom, or is there more to it? What, what, like? Yeah, so that's just like one example of sort of how heteronormativity sort of touches all of our knowledge about the environment. Touches, rubs, um, scratches all of our knowledge. Um, but yeah, so queer ecology people have written about everything from, uh, you know, there's a lot of green green drag queens, green queens that are um, like Patagonia. I don't know if you know her, but um, she's. Uh, I don't, but I love it. What a great name. Yeah. Um, there's someone else named uh, Nuclear Waste um, who <laughs> draws attention to a nuclear disposal problem through drag. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different... What do we think uh, of RuPaul um, and the fact that he he does own a lot of fracking yeah, stuff? Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's real bad. Um, 
There was a there was a climate change themed episode of um, RuPaul's Drag Race yeah. that uh, we didn't Again, mention. Is that irony? Like, climber. <laughs> <laughs> and I caused it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, as we know, queer people can also be horrible. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah you know queer as in the verb right like let's let's queer our ways of thinking about science normally or let's queer our approaches to uh, talking about climate change or whatever so yeah so you don't have special status if you're lgbtq you don't you know especially inherently environmentalist but um you know there's some there's some overlap just trying to highlight those uh places of overlap gentlemen start your fracking engines and may the best filthy petrocapitalist win in any kind of big social protest or group gathering about justice and rights and things everyone's like yeah but look at the litter though look at what they left behind mm-hmm. and let's yeah. let's now get on to your like your most recent research which is all about glitter um yeah. is glitter litter Oh, Ooh, I mean, it's in there. You are right that there the word litter is in there. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> in etymological sense. Um, yeah, so I, I talk about the the whole book project started because I started seeing all these um, all this backlash to glitter, like on the internet, and actually, like a lot in the UK. Like, I guess Waitrose was like, "We're banning." glitter on our Christmas cards or whatever it was, um, which but they have like a million other plastic items in the store. Don't worry. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, a little bit of greenwash in there. But um, yeah, so there's all this backlash where people were like, turns out glitter is microplastic and it's terrible for the environment. And um, mm. yeah, I know, like very like clickbaity, like you'll never believe what glitter is really made of. Um, and... <laughs> It's like, I don't know, my whole thing is kind of like, I mean, everything's bad for the environment, first of all. Um, can't we have a little joy? But um, no, but in, in all seriousness, um, it's not, you know, I think the BBC did a report that's like, like at most 0.1% of the microplastic in the ocean is from glitter. Um, you know what it's really from? You know what it's really from? Are you ready? It's really from, what? There's a lot of fishing stuff, fishing. but... Um, Mostly um, microfibers from your like your North Face jacket or your Jack Wolf skin jacket. What, what, what oh, are those called? Yeah, of course. Yeah, your fleeces. Tech wear. Yeah, fleeces. Which is oh, yeah. ironic because that stuff's very like crunchy and like you know outdoorsy. Bad for the environment. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've, my my whole thing is that glitter's being scapegoated. It's being unfairly scapegoated as a as a villain. I've seen glitter described as being like the herpes of the craft world because mm-hmm. it gets everywhere. Do you think it's mm-hmm. fair to compare glitter to an SDI? <laughs> um, well, it got, it was being like, I mean, no. This one. Um, it was being compared to COVID too. I don't know if you guys ever saw, there's like all these memes that were like, you know, imagine that you like, you know, make a glitter craft and then you shake hands with 10 people. Those people have glitter on them. That's like COVID. Oh, whatever. <laughs> like that sounds more fun than COVID so uh bad comparison um 
Yeah, I don't know. There's like people, there's a lot of weird stuff about like the symbolism of glitter. Like I'm also writing about like the trolls movie. And so they imagine like the trolls are like pooping glitter. So there's something about glitter that makes people think about like weird bodily processes. And that's mm -hmm. on, uh, that's on them. I don't really know why people go there specifically with glitter. They want to think about poop and disease. And, um, so yeah, so that's the thing. What <laughs> other bodily processes have you come across? And now I'm just, I'm literally racking my brain. The closest I can come to is that. Come advert, to. Lol. Uh, is the, the <laughs> advert for the, have you seen the Squatty Potty? Oh, I, I've heard, I've heard of it. Okay. So it takes, basically it's like, a, like, you know how kids need a little stool to sit on the loo because their legs are too short. Apparently, actually, adults, we should all be using little stools because it's better for our um, internal mechanics, shall we say. But the video that they show is basically of a glittery unicorn shitting a rainbow. Um, so, like, <laughs> I don't quite know how else to describe it because it literally just is a glittery unicorn on a toilet who's, like, looking really sad when trying to just defecate normally. And the, the, the over voice is sort of like, this is really bad for your sphincter. Uh, or something like that and then it's like now with the wonderful and the person is dressed up as some sort of like prince charm he's like and now with the glory of squatty potty and then the, the, the magical unicorn is like suddenly relieved of any pressure and just like starts shitting rainbows for days um you might want to add that yeah no i'll um where's my pen um <laughs> you stepped right over that stool pun i just want to flag that um, um thank you yeah. it was uh it was a subtle one <laughs> it wasn't that subtle i just thought i'd interrupted you that many times that i was gonna actually let someone else speak for once wow <laughs> i'm growing <laughs> but what other bodily functions have you seen um depicted through glitter um there's a woman that does a photo series i want to say her name is hannah altman i'm writing about her a little bit and she does these like she, there's one where there's like a lady like over a toilet and like she's like you know it's like the night after and she's like throwing up glitter um there's one where it's like there's underwear with like glitter on it like like, like if she got her periods or whatever um I really like if you guys have any answers like my manuscript is doing like less than two weeks and I don't actually know what like I, I don't have an answer like what is that about why why do people like think like glitter is definitely not something you know, you think of being inside, it's not supposed to be inside you at all. It's supposed to be like maybe on top of things, but not, it's not supposed to be internal at all. I don't know what that's about. But, um, I'm trying to think like, isn't there, wasn't there like a, a Miley Cyrus like photo campaign of her basically like covered in glitter and eating loads of fruit as well. And that was like really sexual with glitter. Interesting. It's just sounds like Goblin Market. Basically, yeah, it was Goblin Market, but with glitter. I don't know, maybe it's something to do with, you know, the fact that you're fundamentally just everyone's covering up bodily processes because there's still that source of shame. We just, yeah. But it's like an explicit covering up yeah. by using glitter. It's like that weird inversion of like, but we'd like to see the shiny things. Yeah, yeah. Like there are people that do spray um, like dog shit on, on pavements with glitter as oh. a kind of like a form of protest, be like, clean it up. Because <laughs> it's like, if I have to look at it every day, it might as well be shiny. Nice and pretty. So yeah, maybe it's something there, the, as the aesthetic kind of thing of uh, yeah. glitter. I think that's maybe also playing on the idiom of like, you can't polish a turd. Like, <laughs> yes, I can. I can put glitter in it. <laughs> I can dabble it. 
Um, there was like a story about, uh, maybe I should write about this too. Man, you guys are giving me too many ideas. I need to be done with this book. Okay. Um, there's something about like people were upset that these like glitter, people are selling like glitter capsules on the internet, like pills that like were promising to like make your, your poop glittery, but then they like didn't work. And then people were like suing over this or whatever. Um, yeah, but, there, but there's this fantasy that like, it's just, like maybe we could just make our poop look nicer and it's like no just no it's okay it's okay it's like so. i don't know what's, what's the like so it's, it's basically just trying to is glitter the antidote to the abject is that is that what we're saying yeah christava take that <laughs> glitter bomb christava yeah glitter bomb christava <laughs> Because you also write about glitter bombs, don't you? Or that's one thing that was noted. Uh, yeah, I write about glitter bombing. Um, I should also acknowledge that there is a wonderful book out um, called Glitter World by Rebecca Coleman. I thought I was like going to be the first academic to write a book about glitter, and then I found this out, and then I was like, I have to murder her. But then it turns out she's really nice, um, and her book's really good. But, um, <laughs> I hate people like that. <laughs> I hate people that are nice and good. I know. Like, worst guys. I want to hate you. <laughs> no, she's really smart. She writes. She writes about um, glitter bombing as well. And like, I guess there was like a vajazzling, vajazzling thing, like where people are trying to put glitter on their vaginas. Um, oh, we know. But, we know about vajazzling. Uh, You're talking to the people who are, yes. you know, the UK is the home of Essex. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, the only way is Essex is uh, prime <laughs> vajazzle territory. Um, I think that's our original contribution to the world. The abject. Um, but yeah, like, why? So obviously, you're talking about glitter bombing, like that's sort of a big sort of LGBTQ plus thing. Like, it's a bit, it's a form of protest. So I mean, it, it maybe seems obvious, like thinking glitter and pride and rainbows and all that stuff. But but also, why? Why? Why is glitter bombing kind of so effective? Why does it speak to that sort of queer? Um, politics so much like yeah sorry i talked about that, but, um there's like a more recent thing in um, mexico that they called the glitter revolution where these women were glitter bombing like um politicians to protest femicide and um just you know police and and um political regime being very uh misogynist and, and violent but um yeah i think there's like this sense of like you know getting like I guess like the sense of contamination, maybe it does go back to the poop a little bit. Where it's like sort of like, you know, like there was some pink glitter specifically at these, these men, right? And this idea of like sort of um, not like humiliating them, but just sort of like marking them in a way that like that women have been marked and sort of like this, you know, like, um, yeah, just like this sort of like, I don't know, I, I write a little bit about how like it's kind of a genius tactic because it puts the, the person in this position of like having to react in some way and it's like do you like try to like you know be like no I don't care that I'm like you know this like man in a suit and now I'm like covered in pink I'm just gonna you know, try to be very um upstanding and uh, um serious or whatever or do you like brush it away and then like look hysterical and trying to do that and you know it, it's sort of putting me in this position of like having to deal with these like uh ways of being like gendered or marked or um highlighted or whatever so um yeah that's and I feel like glitter is perhaps a little bit more covert to carry in your pocket than like a milkshake. Cause that was what was a really big thing here for a while was like the milkshake throw. Yeah. That was 
good. I was Brexit, wasn't it? That the milkshake was all the Brexiteers, mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. This goes funny anyway. <laughs> I suppose as well, like because glitter, it's it's got that thing of like if you've been dealing with glitter, you can never fucking get rid of it. You find glitter like fucking persistent. months later. It's fucking persistent. It's always there. Yeah. That's an interesting thing going on there with like you know marginalized communities using glitter mm-hmm. as a thing. Like yeah. I don't know. And I think there's something about. Um... A lot of activists talk about like, yeah, it's not considered like violent in this way where you're probably not going to get arrested for assault, maybe for like disturbing the peace or something. But the crazy thing is, and this is like going back to like how the right wing has has changed, um, they're absolutely cracking down on this. So there's these um, anti-pipeline protesters who got charged with terrorism um because like they said that they like unfurled this banner and some glitter fell down because again glitter gets everywhere and then the, the like people that were prosecuting them were saying like oh it created a terrorist incident because people didn't know what that was they didn't know if it was like anthrax or you know um some kind of like i was gonna say that surely the one of the thing about using glitter is because it is well supposedly harmless and that's like you know it's not like you're throwing peppercorns or salt or something i don't know like that can actually i don't know maybe that's not fair to glitter glitter's quite pointy sorry (laughs) no but i think this is this there's something going on here about like our definition of violence has changed Mm -hmm. so much like yeah now throwing like a tiny bit of like plastic at someone like it's just it's it is very like hysterical that people are like responding in this way and you know being like charge them with terrorism it's like you look ridiculous doing that but um and it's okay though because you can use a water cannon against water protectors and that's fine right right that's not violent at all that's yeah fine. that's not violent back to the irony yeah what a world man what a world what a great world we should save it um <laughs> Just to um, talk about like some of your other research, so, um, so I was wondering about vegans, mm. yeah? Mm. So are they meat-free or is there meat-freed? Ooh. Trying to do an Oprah Winfrey there. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you put in the notes in all capitals. Whoa. 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 <laughs> I was really impressed with myself. Oh. Were you silent? Were you silenced? Sorry. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Well, I did notice that you titled this episode Laughing at Vegans, and I would like to say maybe we can be laughing with vegans. Oh, that's the next question. Sad. Okay. <laughs> so, why should we laugh with vegans? Um, no, you skipped we... over the made, which was at your expense, Louise. Oh, yeah. Well, you may ask that if it's at my expense. If it's at your expense, it's helpful. Okay. <clears throat> so this is the joke that I've heard. So there's a joke about both vegans and CrossFitters is that you never need to ask someone if they are one because they'll tell you. So <laughs> could you tell us why is it that as a culture we're used to laughing at vegans, but what about laughing with vegans? There you go. Yeah. Now we can go back to your original response. For the record, I do CrossFit. I don't know if I've ever mentioned You're also a vegetarian, but you're so close sometimes. I mean, like vegan like three so days a week. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
that not recently because of lockdown and also chocolate and ice cream <laughs> but i was <laughs> do you refer to the people you do crossfit with as your family because i feel like that's also um a thing that crossfitters like to do but- i don't do that but i do I, i've never called them my family but I, I i'm pretty invested i mean to be fair i bring my dog to the gym and she coaches um and yeah we, we, we're, we're pretty invested <laughs> i very much drank the kool-aid um no i just i'm just fascinated because i just feel like if you're paying someone like 200 dollars a month is that what you do with your family i don't know all families are different um but anyway um uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's good. We can still laugh at CrossFitters. I'm enjoying this. This is good. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think it's it's almost too easy to laugh at vegans. So then we should consider laughing with them. So that seems fresher, newer. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I've, I've written a thing, I wrote a thing um, about how vegans, various vegans like writers vegan cooks vegan chefs uh vegan comedians um have sort of been trying to satirize themselves like get one step ahead right um so you can't satirize me if i'm gonna satirize myself first um so i'm really fascinated by this um this move of of getting getting ahead of the the situation just kind of like undercutting um and I, I write a lot about that in um, my bad environmentalism book, actually, is that um, the difference uh, between the people I'm writing about and sort of mainstream environmentalists is that they are able to sort of laugh at themselves and like how they're like not necessarily perfect. And they're not just, you know, standing on the mountain, wagging their finger down at, at people and recognizing their fallibility and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, so I'm now really into vegans that make fun of themselves because I think that's um, that's what you need. Yeah. So. Can you, do you, are there any sort of, sort of pithy examples like so how how does how do the vegans get one step up like are there, are there like where, where does that come from like you know are they just like lol you're gonna mock me but equally you're eating carcass like is that it or are there better examples <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I'm like I'm interested in people that aren't doing that because I think there's there's so much of that kind of like uh like knowledge deficit hypothesis stuff where people are like you know uh you're eating an animal and like you don't know it like there's there's this like sort of uh claim that um we've what's the word like um we sort of forgot oh it's the absent reference idea I think this comes from like Carol Adams where it's like. Uh, we talk about hamburgers. We don't say like I'm eating a cow for lunch. We say I'm eating a hamburger for lunch or not even a hamburger. We say like I'm eating a burger. And that's sort of, there's that vegan argument that I think is like very widespread and I'm very over it, which is like, you don't know what you're doing, but I know what you're doing and I'm going to tell you. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure people know they're eating a fucking cow when they're eating a burger. You know, they're not like, what is this? It's delicious. Um, so I feel, I feel like we passed that point personally. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm interested in these people, these comedians or whomever that are not, they're not pointing out that you guys are eating a carcass or whatever. They're just, they're, they're just making fun of themselves and their own imperfections. And, um, um, yeah, Julio Torres is one of the people I write about. He has this joke about, um, you know, people always ask me if I miss cheese and I say, no, I miss my friends and I miss my family. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think the, the there was that. Um, this is now making me think of the 
Frankie Boyle joke, which is like, yes, there's a vegan option. You can fuck off. Um, <laughs> which is a, a classic of the, the Glasgow the Glasgow comedy scene. But like, I, I like this idea of sort of the, the kind of self-deprecating vegan because it seems very different to the self-aggrandizing narrative exactly. that gets put across a lot in terms of well, particularly like online discourse or just generally kind of people discussing veganism there's that sense of um i mean like feminist killjoy is a thing is vegan killjoy a thing environmentalist killjoy like i feel there's something going on there in terms of this um well across yeah. your work actually with this kind of engagement with comedy and irony and all the fun things as being somehow an antidote to that kind of buzzkill element yeah yeah, no, that's, there's actually, there's people that write on the vegan killjoy, but I'm trying to write on, like, people that are trying not to be killjoys by, by sort of making fun of themselves, and, um, yeah, there's actually a great article, sorry, I'm getting, like, too academic here, I'm, like, citing things, but, um, stop, stop. <laughs> gross, um, uh, about vegan camp. Uh, For our listeners to skip forward 10 seconds yeah. as well, uh, on the call, cite someone officially. <laughs> There's homework off here. Um, yeah, no, Amelia Quinn has a good article about vegan camp. It's, um, it's like a slightly different argument, but, but her thing is sort of that, um, or their thing rather, um, that, uh, like vegans are so horrified by like what happens to animals in society that they actually like i guess it's like the the humor um like it's a comic relief argument that we need more camp or that vegans need more camp because the world is so horrifying and we need like some respite from like the reality of like factory farming and stuff and so she writes about these um, these moments um yeah of um yeah trying to find trying to find some lulls in the horror i guess it's uh, it's the same thing i'm going to i guess I think that's what you should change your, your um, academic bio to, quite frankly. Is, uh, finding lulls in, the- yeah, in the horror. That's my Twitter bio. Sorry, my, not my Twitter, my Tinder bio. See, I don't oh, even know what a Tinder is. There we go. Uh, Tinder bio. That would, okay, that's much better than I am a Tory or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We've come a long way. <laughs> yeah. And just to, as a tactic then, so to take you p- the piss out of, themselves or you know is it does it make a difference is there a measurable difference made or is it still kind of early days and it's just it's it's interesting to reflect on that process of sort of turning the tables or it or do you you think there is a difference being made i am asking about impact right now impact factor is your contribution to knowledge timely (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, the good news for me is I'm not a quantitative researcher. I'm a qualitative researcher. So I have no idea if anything I'm saying is like, you know, true in any sort of verifiable sense. <laughs> um, but um, that's why people want to destroy the humanities because it's a sham. But um, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> there is research that shows that, uh, you know, it's all about like storytelling. It's about Imagination, oh, empathy, <sighs> read a book, empathize. Yeah, it's not about throwing facts and figures at people. So, um, yeah, so I suspect, I don't know if that's like an empirical <laughs> term of mind, I suspect that, uh, yeah, the joke. Sounds legit. Yeah. yeah. So, but no evidence, no actual evidence. That I can think of. Um, I mean, I like it. I like these, like, 
I count, right? As, as <laughs> um, I have done qualitative research with me. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Uh, self-deprecating vegan, so um, they must be doing something right. This came to me in a dream. Best footnote ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally all of Freud. Literally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why are we not allowed to do it anymore? Ridiculous. Exactly. So um okay well we've actually literally hit the one hour mark which is incredible um so because we never keep to time time, but we might be today so um we normally just end with asking if there's anything you would like to plug do you have things coming up that you would like people to be aware of um we will obviously link to things in the bio like your book and anything else that you would like to share with our dear dear listeners yeah, well, I'm going to tell you guys about something possibly really dumb that I'm going to be doing, which is um, I'm going to be doing some like actual kind of performance comedy stuff. Um, Sorry, what's that? Louise, do you have a, has a rival entered the room in terms of academic comedy? <laughs> I will cite you. I've done academic stuff. Please cite me. Thank you. <laughs> in the bit, in the Wait, bit. what are you doing? Well, okay, so I literally just got roped into this um, by the great Jenny Price, who is a member of the LA Urban Rangers, um, who dresses up like a park ranger and gives people tours of the cement uh, playground of Los Angeles. But um, she's a genius and a comedy genius, and um, she wants me to do an ASCH panel with her and um, a couple other folks, and we have to have, like, a character. And so I think I'm going to be a sales rep for Anxietero, which is going to be a new digital tool to help uh, universities outsource the work of managing students' climate anxiety so that they can focus on the work that really matters, which is graduating and maintaining state funding. Um, so, so you know when satire seems real. Yeah. Please be yeah. because I feel there's quite a lot of universities will be contacting you. Yeah. So I can, I might actually pivot. This might be my third act is um, putting academia and making some money for once. Um, but no, yeah, the, the, I don't know if you guys were um, privy to all these like things, these like anti-cheating software that like came out during like the Zoom teaching era where it was like, clearly the worst thing for students to do during a global pandemic where there's like mass death would be to like, I don't know, Google things when they're taking a test. And so they're, um, so this one, I like could not believe this is real. Panopto, Panopto. Mm. Oh, I know. Love the name, right? It's so they yeah, thought great choice, clever. great choice. I don't know what they were doing. We've been long my praxis. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, a five star output deserves five star reviews. No reviewer two comments, please. Shout out to our biggest fan and most consistent listener, my mother, Faye. You can get in touch with us by emailing longmypraxis at gmail.com or finding us on Twitter at longmypraxis. Today's episode was brought to you by the letter V for vegan and the number hundreds of thousands of tiny little bits of glittery plastic. Our shape this week is a transgender parrotfish. Remember to tell your friends with apologies for a cross-posting. Bye!